Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Catholic Talk Show. Welcome to another episode. Today, we're going to be talking about eight astounding facts of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Yeah, we're going to get into the science. We're going to get into the study of the image itself, some of the iconography and the meaning behind it, and some things that are really going to blow your mind. May the Empress of the Americas, Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us. I'm really excited to be jumping into this podcast. I love Our Lady of Guadalupe. We're going to be hopefully sharing some stories uh, later, but um, man, there's just so much to dive into with um, not only the history, but the image and some of the science and miracles that have occurred in that. And so we're hoping to touch on all that for you guys today and 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 hopefully um, just kind of share Our Lady's message with you. Um, it's going to be a beautiful podcast. The only living image painted by God's hand itself. I mean, it's an absolutely powerful, Incredible. powerful manifestation of God's grace. Yeah, I, I think it'd be fair to say that our entire show is dedicated and consecrated to Our Lady of Guadalupe. She's the patroness of all of the Americas. And maybe the one single event in the history of Catholicism that has converted more people to the church than any other. Mm -hmm. yeah. Without a doubt. And not only that, the company... That Ryan, you you yeah, established, we, yeah, yeah. I've consecrated all my children to Our Lady, um, and and my company. It's, it's something that's happened over the course of time in my life where I've realized the importance of that. Mm -hmm. And so, one of my favorite stories, and certainly this past year when we were there and consecrated our work together. Oh yeah, to Our Lady of Guadalupe, beginning this this 2018. Mm -hmm. So you guys know the backstory, right? You want to mm -hmm. tell a little bit about the backstory of what happened? December 9th, 1531. San Juan Diego. Mm -hmm. right. San Diego. San Juan Diego. <clears throat> and he had multiple apparitions of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And to prove it, he had to go before the bishop. And so often he failed time and time again to be able to express the authenticity of these apparitions and this experience and what the Blessed Virgin Mary was asking him to accomplish. And through his perseverance and not giving up, you know, Our Lady was able to finally communicate to the bishop in that day through the tilma. And, and she truly gave Juan Diego a wonderful gift of her, her own image. So yeah. on December 9th, 1531, St. Juan Diego, he was a, a, a native Indian of the area, um, Aztec. And who was going through a Christian... I, I he was already a Christian. Okay. He, he was, was already, already a Christian. Christian. Okay. And he had a vision of Our Lady on uh, Tepeyac Hill in Mexico City, where Our Lady instructed him to go to the bishop because she desired to have a great cathedral built there. So he had to go back to the bishop and tell this message. Well, the bishop said, as any wise bishop would do, well, we can't just believe everyone that they saw, you know, Our Lady. I believe he said, what you talking about, Willis? Juana, Juanito. <laughs> when we translate, that's yeah, exactly. Yeah, translated the Baroque, yeah. the Baroque <laughs> translation. <laughs> so he went, he went to go back and then Our Lady said, well, I will appear to you on December 11th. Well, his 
grandfather got sick and he didn't yeah, show he up. He didn't show up. How, That's great. I mean, how Catholic sainty is that? It's so Catholic mm-hmm. that a saint missed an appointment with the mm-hmm. very mother of God. <laughs> And then what she say to him, like, am I not your mother? Yeah. Right. Oh, that's the best. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, it really is. So his grandfather miraculously got better. Yeah. And then on December 12th, 1531, um, Our Lady appeared to St. Juan Diego again and told him to gather roses on the top of this hill into his tilma, which was a basically the hoodie of that day. Very, but very poor. That's what the poorest of the poor would wear is made out of cheap cactus fibers and silk. It was like a poncho, essentially the cheapest clothes you can get. Yeah. And he gathered It was a tilma. It was a tilma. (laughs) (laughs) Tilmas are not a common fashion accessory. So I think a little explanation of what a tilma is. You can't walk Uh, into Target and go to the tilma section. Not yet. Which would be cool. Not yet. So he gathers these roses and he goes back to the bishop and then he releases his tilma and the roses fall to the floor and the bishop and all the people there were astounded because they saw a miraculous image had appeared on his tilma of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Yeah. And there's some side stories there we wouldn't want to get right. into, but the bishops, you know, um, it, it really spoke to his heart, the roses did. Because and especially the fact that the roses that were in the tilma were Castilian roses right. from the region that he was from in Spain. There's no way. There's no way that yeah. he would have been able to have those roses. Right? Yeah, that was Bishop Fray Juan De Sumaraga, Sumagara, Sumagara. Again, Say that perfect times, pronunciation. Yes. Very good. Frejuan de Sumagara. Sumara. Sumara. That's who it was. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> so that, that's one of the facts that we want to talk about. The first one is those roses. I, I don't know if you guys grow roses. I actually really like roses. My grandmother always planted roses. And that was one of the things that I really enjoyed doing with her going out there pruning them, tending them, picking roses with her. I, to this day, still plant roses in my yard. I I, I love roses. Mm-hmm. I have a John Paul II rose. It was a specifically designed strain by Jackson and Perkins uh, that was made for John Paul. It's a rose. It's a huge, white, super fragrant rose. And they only made it, they only developed them and released them for one year. I got one for myself and one for my mother for Mother's Day. Beautiful roses. The deer. Is it the Jubilee year? Uh, in 2000? Yeah. The deer eat them. They eat them all the time. Because they're so good. Yeah. Stupid deer. I know. <laughs> wow, dude, deer. can you cut me a, a little yeah, clipping of that? I will. Oh, yeah. dude, that's Before awesome. the deer eat it? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could probably graft it and grow one. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, the roses. I don't know about you, but I roses don't grow during the winter. I mean, they don't bloom. That's right. not what happens. So the fact, the very fact that there were even roses blooming... In December, even in Mexico, even in that climate, they don't bloom there. So even that simple fact in and of itself is miraculous. But like you said, these were a very special kind of rose. What were they? Castilian roses from Spain. That's fascinating, man. And you could imagine in the in the seat of the bishop right there, you know, he's sitting there and experiencing the manifestation of what was before him in the Telma. And how spiritually convicted he was. There's a beautiful image, a painting. I think it's a. It was painted by a, um, a Franciscan, and uh, it, it shows him opening his tilma and, and the, the reaction and the, of yeah. the bishop and everybody and how he him. knelt in front of yep. the tilma. Yeah, I don't know this, but maybe you guys have heard about this. Is there any of those rose petals still existing? Did they collect any of those? 
Ooh, I don't know. I, I've never. If anyone out there listening knows that, make sure you comment. I'm, I'm going to research that. I'd like to know if yeah, any of those rose petals were collected. Yeah. So that's one of the. I think that's like the first and most fundamental miracle to talk about is roses of a very specific strain, not native to the area, growing in the middle of winter for him to collect. So that's that's pretty, pretty crazy. Very. Now it's an astounding. It's astounding. Fact. That's an astounding mm-hmm. fact number one. <laughs> so the second thing this we already talked so about fun. it when you walk into your local target and you go to the tilma section and you take one off the rack try it on you look at it you're like i'm gonna take this home save that receipt because that thing is going to decay within five years and you're going to have to buy a new one yeah right? Tilma's, at best right this right. is under the best circumstances i remember this one of the leading experts on the on the tilma of our lady of guadalupe in mexico city a good friend of mine he, he expressed, in the perfect conditions, a tilma would be able to last maybe 60 years, mm-hmm. maybe 65 years. We're talking about 30, 1531. The material that the tilma was made out of, the maguey cactus, it rot, it decays, it falls apart. It is the cheapest, most organic material, and it lasts 5 to 20 years at the very best. So it's not something that was designed to last. It was a replaceable item. But here we are, almost 500 years later, and it still exists. That defies science. It should not be that way. Think about how often people like friends, family members, wives go through clothing, you know, and in season and, you know, or I have a a golf polo that I've I've had for, my goodness, probably like eight years, nine years. I mean, the collar's all curled up and it's just faded and it's gnarly. Well, that's made out of like synthetic materials <laughs> yeah. that are meant to be <laughs> yeah. indestructible. Yeah. Not made out of cactus, cactus fibers. fibers. No. So the tilma should have decayed and rotted away by now. In many, by, many years ago, hundreds of years ago. Hundreds of years ago, but it hasn't. In the 1750s, something interesting happened. There was a skeptic. He was a painter who lived in Mexico City and he did not believe that it was a miraculous image. So he recreated the tilma exactly on the same fiber type tilma, the same image. And to go a step further, he even took the painting and had it mounted in the same type of glass case in the the chapel above the basilica where Our Lady appeared. That's the... Uh, Capilla de Serio? Certo. 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 Yeah. So it was in there. So it was in the exact environment exposed the same amount of smoke, the same lighting, the same amount of people coming in. All of the scientific control conditions were exactly the same. And he was trying to show up the church, right? Well, they they hung it in there. And within seven years, this thing was so badly decayed and rotten, all the colors fade. The cactus fibers decayed, it fell apart. And it became so bad, they said, thank you. We have to remove this because this is an eyesore. It just looks like a big <laughs> rotten banana peel. Right? Yeah, your uh, your project is over. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I can't help but think of the 16th century and the beautiful artwork that comes out of that age. Mm-hmm. And how often when you're in Rome or you're visiting some of these places that this artwork is on display, how much of that on canvas has to be restored. Has to be restored. Yeah. Regularly, and they have to put they have to put varnish over mm-hmm. it. 
and just millions of dollars in restoration just to keep it looking okay. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a, a, a guy from in the, in the 70s, a, um, a biophysicist from the University of Florida, Dr. Philip Callahan, and in and that that he did a, an infrared um, photograph, you know, photograph of the Toma, and there was no signs of any brushes. So that's that's going that's over. the third astounding fact is that it cannot be recreated. Mm-hmm. So right. in that exact study, they did an infrared examination, and any painter, you. I paint, right? I yeah. do paint. Yeah, you're great at painting. You have to do underdrawings. I mean, you could paint things that are free form or maybe landscapes without doing an underdrawing, but even then you still should. But something as intricate as the Tilma, if you don't have an underdrawing, there's no way that you can just make that happen and and have the proper proportions and keep on plan without having an underdrawing. But there is no underdrawing according to infrared uh, photography. Additionally, there's no brush strokes. Essentially, it was created in one stroke. Now, it's not like a thermal press where it's like planted on. Right. That stuff didn't exist back then. There is no no pressing of images. Right. You know. Another thing is that the pigments of the time that were available to use for painting materials, they were typically rocks or different. Sometimes they'd use beetles and grind them and mix them with different you know, alcohols to get their colors, right? There was very, they had to find their pigments from nature. The pigments that were available in the time, in the area, would have completely faded by now, especially in the conditions. The the blues of the Tilma, if you look at ones uh, of uh, paintings made at the same time, the blues, they're completely gone. They're not blue anymore because that's right. what the pigments were. But not on the Tilma, it's still very fresh. Right. There's no animal or mineral elements <coughs> on the Toma. Right. None. So so there has to be some, it has to be, if it was something that was not a miracle, then it would, it would have to, they would have to look at some sort of synthetic. Right. Right. There's, there's no there pigments. There's no synthetic there yeah. at that uh, time. Another thing is, and this is really crazy how it can't be recreated, that Our Lady, her skin tone changes colors the closer or further you get from the image. Right. The closer you get, the more she appears as she would have in her, her, her historical life as a young, uh, mm-hmm. lighter-skinned Jewish, Jewish girl. Yeah. But from a further distance, when you're first being introduced to her, she appears as an Aztec princess. And I think that's really cool that in her first appearance, she reveals herself as how the, the, the time, the community and the people of the time would see her. But the closer you get, the closer she appears as she really was. Yeah. And, and this is a really important point because very important. it is the appealing nature of the icon itself, this window into who the mother of God is, the empress to the Americas, who the mother of Jesus is. You know, she's obviously depicted in this image with child, but in respect to what you're saying, that she appealed both to the Spaniards as well as the Aztecs, which clearly they were at at, at they were at a loggerhead. Yeah, they were at a loggerhead, if yeah. you will. And the Blessed Virgin Mary in the midst of them, look at what she did. Mm. She drew both of them together, mm. you know, both cultures and both respective uh, nations, if you will, brought them together and, and formed a unity. And then thus the catalyst of the greatest evangelization effort in the history of the world takes place and how fast she converted so many hearts. Yeah, I mean, it's all in the image too. The, it this, is. The, the, the reflection of that image is something that brings both 
Catholicism and the Aztec, you know, polytheism together. So here's something I think is really cool. What was going on in Europe in the 1530s? Renaissance. No. Well, yes, but no. Yes. That's not what I was talking about. <laughs> yes, no. What yes, happened? No. On, what happened, not what he's looking for. What happened on October 31st, 1517? Um... Columbus sailed the ocean blue. <laughs> no. That was 1492. Martin Doesn't even Luther, rhyme, Ryan. Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the oh, cathedral right. door. Oh, there you go. And over the next 30 years, that's when the Protestant Reformation started. And the church in Europe lost about 4 million adherents. Mm. Right? Well. So in Europe, there is the Protestant Reformation going on and 4 million people left the faith. At the same time, in the New World... Our Lady appeared and brought 8 million new adherents to the faith. So for all the ones that were lost, God provided twice as many back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's so cool. So what's really cool is the foreshadowing of this image in Columbus's exploration. I mean, what were the name of the boats? Mm -hmm. The Nina, the the Pinta, the the Santa Santa Maria. Maria. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's like... Literally saying, hey, our boat's going to the new world for the first time. You know, I mean, you just can't make that up. Mm-mm. The I painting, hate. the painting, the girl, you know, our, our lady, you know. The girl. Holy Mary. <laughs> the girl. The girl of the Guadalupe. Nina, the Nina. <laughs> the Lupina. <laughs> Is it Nina girl? Like daughter. Yes. Yeah, like yeah. Da- yeah. Daughter. So. Daughter. Daughter. Fourth astounding fact, and this one, I think this one's my favorite. Mm. The stars on the on the mantle that or the cloak that Our Lady was wearing. Definitely one of mine too. The sky. The, there was so a constellation, it's not just right? the sky. Those stars are exactly as they would have appeared on December 12, 1531. The actual date yeah. of the, the constellation. Now, here's what's even cooler though. It's a reverse image. It's not as if you were looking up the sky and you would see them. It's as if you were looking from behind the sky. So it's as if heaven was looking down. It's as if outside of all reality, someone was looking at the stars on mm. December 12, 1531, and that's how they appeared on her cloak. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mind blown. Oh, yeah. Now, how did they How did they discover that? Because, I mean— uh, Well, now, you, you can go now with a, a computer model, and you could type in a date and a location. And it'll, it'll tell you exactly the star really? location. Are the way the serious? constellations yeah. were. But yeah. what I'm saying is when, when did that break, right? Because, I mean, it didn't break— Hundreds know. of years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, yeah. no, it, it's no probably a recent, yeah. recent discovery. And, and that's just like the scriptures is the living word of God. And we're still drawing mm-hmm. from this spring that provides new inspiration. Mm-hmm. You know, we haven't exhausted truth. We no. haven't exhausted revelation. It's an ongoing reality of yeah. uncovering and, and drawing us together. There's more in that image. Oh, we it's know the that. same effect. So yeah. when we look at the history, it's still being evaluated. It's still being studied. Yeah, and there there are people that are showing us even greater realities that are coming from the tilma today. Yeah, yeah. So no painter at the time would have thought to do that. Number one, you wouldn't say, "Okay, look, I got to get this painting ready for December twelfth and make sure the stars and be able to predict." No painter would have done that or could have done that. Now, here's something that I think this is really cool. So, her cloak it ends where you know she's at, it's wrapping around her. But if the pattern of the stars continued to where she is, if you extrapolated the star data, the constellation Corona Borealis, Mm -hmm. the crown, is on her forehead. Mm -hmm. 
What? This is fascinating. Now, Wait, you not heard this? When you when you say extrapolate right. astrological, what did you say? If you extrapolate the astrological that data. That sounded so smart. Same I just data. want to stop right there and just say that's that's smart right there. So there's a gap because that's where the cloak ends, uh -huh. right? But if you if you continue the pattern where the stars would be based on the stars on her left and right side, where there is no stars where she is, right? If you continued the veil all the way right. down over right. her, her facial. The constellation Corona Borealis, the crown, is on her forehead. Over her heart would have been the constellation Virgo. Wow. The virginal heart. Mm -hmm. And over her womb, Leo. The constellation Leo, the line of tribe of Whoa. Judah. That's so cool. That, what does that say about horoscopes now? <laughs> well, you know, a lot of people think, well, horoscopes have, have no place in Catholicism. And they don't because you can't predict anything from the stars. They're yeah. just stars. But... The wise men followed constellations yeah. to get to our Lord. If you go to a lot of the old cathedrals, even in the very ancient church, there is astrological constellations because they're all part of God's plan. For and, and the creation. Aztecs were like, like massive astrological like, nerds, nerds, man. Oh yeah. And so they built is, pyramids to the sun and the right. moon right there in Mexico city, just outside of the city now, modern day city. Yeah. It's, it's important to realize and that they wonder, made sacrifices of countless Children, men, women, yeah. on top of these pyramids. Even Tepeyac Hill was a point yeah. of sacrifice. It was one of the worst ones. Yeah, and it's where children were. Children were sacrificed. Yeah. So, and then uh, some people will say, well, the stars were added later, right? Because they can't reconcile the fact that the stars are that precise. But it can't be that way because there's a there's a book called the Codex of Seville that shows everything that was happening in the New World at the time, and they have a hand drawn image from about 1550 or 1540, that shows a hand-drawn recreation of it, and it shows the stars on her tilma. Mm. There's a painting from the Battle of Lepanto, and it shows them carrying that image in, and the stars are on there. So they were not a later addition. Mm. Mm. Additionally, the moon that she was standing on the image is exactly the shape, size of the crescent moon as it appeared on the night of December 12, 1531. In that astrological imprint. Right, that's, where the, that's how the moon would have looked like. Now, in the Bible, Revelations chapter 12, and a great sign appeared in the heaven, and a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. And being with child, she, she you know, you've heard that mm -hmm. quote, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that image really not necessarily brings fulfillment, but calls to that biblical prophecy of Our Lady as the, the woman clothed in the sun and mm -hmm. the stars. One of my favorite missions that I preach at, at churches where I'm invited to preach a mission during Advent or Lent is on the tilma of Our Lady of Guadalupe and scripturally looking at the tilma together and growing in that greater sense of solidarity and unity that she accomplishes just by the nature of her being in our midst. <clears throat> it's so important to realize the effect of the work of the Blessed Virgin Mary because she is the one who is the first and most effective evangelist remember her going to greet her cousin Elizabeth and at her voice, at the sound of her voice, the child in the womb leapt. And this is John the Baptist in the womb of Elizabeth. She, she, it's that aspect of inspiration being transmitted by presence. And the Blessed Virgin Mary is that effective model. She of prefigured all, evangeliz yeah. all evangelization. Mm -hmm. yeah. So astounding fact number five, the topography of Mexico. How does that make any sense, right? The swamp. No. Well, yeah, Mexico City was built on a swamp. But 
Her tunic, the clothes, the, the garment she's wearing underneath the cloak is lighter colored and has patterns of uh, flowers. Now, if you overlay those flowers on a map of Mexico, they line up with the topography of Mexico and volcanoes. Mm. So inside, covered and cloaked with the stars, is Mexico. And it lines up exactly with hills and mountains and volcanoes. And over her womb, there is one flower, and it's a four-petaled flower, which was the Aztec symbol for fertility to show that she was pregnant. Again... No painter would think, let's put a topographical map represented by flowers overlaying her tunic. That They just wouldn't think of that. I'm sorry. Even if they did, they wouldn't have been that precise. But that's really cool. Well, we've already ruled out painters because there's no demonstrable evidence that mm-hmm. there's actually paint. Right. <laughs> well, and the thing is, is, you know, if we truly did believe universally that this was not painted, that this was actually from God— Think of the countless people that would be going to Mexico City. How many people do you know that have never gone? Yeah, you know, even, even faithful Catholics. But, you know, the, the important thing to realize is that we do have this very miraculous presence of Our Lady in this hemisphere. And she is the Empress of the Americas. So if you haven't been to Mexico City, it is a beautiful place. The it's pretty cheap to get are beautiful. Down there too. So cheap. Yeah. And the hotels are very, you know, they're and nice. We stayed in a nice and, yeah, hotel. We stayed and, in a nice hotel. Mexico City's safe. It's mm-hmm. it's a I love Mexico City. I absolutely I love, love Mexico. that place. I know. Mexico City's safe. No, so you've got to go there. You know, priest, my brother priest out there. Let's let's get some uh, pilgrimages flight. going. It's quick flight. Two hours from Houston. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same from Orlando. I mean it's yeah. It's a, it's a fantastic place to go on pilgrimage, to go to Our Lady. Very, very powerful place of transformation. All right. Astounding fact number six. It is virtually indestructible, and people sure have tried to take it out. Bombs, so, fires, all sorts of things. So in uh, the 1700s, you guys know what nitric acid is? Yeah. It'll just eat through anything. Yeah. Well, a worker was cleaning the metal frame for it with nitric acid which will eat away the corrosion because it will eat away metal, right? What He's, a dummy. Well, he knocked it over onto the tilma. Oh, geez. He spilled nitric acid on the tilma. Now, that should, that'll eat metal, let alone get you fired. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, no, so, you know what? He was so scared, he took off running, and he let it sit on there. Oh, my God. Which, with, nitric, with nitric acid, the longer it sits, the more it's going to chew yeah, through stuff. Sure. It didn't. It made no impact. It left a little stain on the unpainted areas, but the, the nitric acid that got on the painted part of it made no impact at all. That's not, that doesn't make sense scientifically. It makes no sense, but that's what happened. That's mm. what happened. It's, it's the way it is. And then, then take some, it or leave it. It's the way it is. So, it's, right? the way, it's the way it are. The way it be. Um, People don't think it'd be that way, but it, it do. be that <laughs> way. And then the bomb, right? There's a bomb. Yeah, that so went in off. 1929, a anti-clerical activist and... Well, there's a lot going on in Mexico then. Yeah, I mean, this is after the Cristeros War. There was a lot going on. Yeah. We got to do an episode on the Cristeros. They're amazing. Oh, my gosh. Viva Cristo Bone chilling. Viva Cristo Good movie, too. Yeah, very For the greater glory. So he took 12 sticks of dynamite, stuck them in a vase, and then put roses on it because then he just looked like a pilgrim making an offering. And 12 sticks dynamite, I mean. Have that's you ever, a lot. That's a, as far as dynamite goes, that's. One stick's a lot. Right. Quarter stick's a lot. Yep. 
So he put 12, and the bomb blast was so big, it exploded the marble altar. It takes a lot to blow up thick marble, right? Yeah. It was, the blast was so big that it bent a huge copper crucifix, bent it so it's all twisted. Yeah, they have that on display in the back of the the new shrine to Our Lady of Guadalupe. So if a bomb's going to blow up thick marble and cast metal, some thin glass, it should take that out, and some cotton or some cactus fibers, it should destroy that. No damage. Again, that doesn't make sense. It shouldn't be that way. It should have exploded into a million pieces, but it didn't. Our Lady protected that image because of how... How yeah. important it is. Mm-hmm. Supernatural phenomenon. True. That's right. Another astounding fact. Yeah, give us another one. So this is uh, another astounding fact. Number seven, her eyes. You guys know about this, right? Mm-hmm. So in the, I think so, 1979, I think that's when it was, they did a microscopic examination of the tilma. And when examining the eyes, they found... Figures, small people, shapes in her eyes. So if I'm looking at right, you right now, I can see reflections in your eyes. You mm-hmm. can, right? They found in her eyes the reflection of, and this is years. I mean, this is like recent. No, yeah, this is 1970. Right. Is this just, is recent, yeah. and and it was done with a very high powered microscope. Okay. Number one, no painter would say, "Well, in 500 years they're going to have a microscope, so I better make <laughs> sure I put tiny detailed." refractive yeah. images of Juan Diego in her eyes. Yeah. They wouldn't do that. They couldn't do it because it was so small. And even if they could, they wouldn't think to do that. So, but what's really cool is, so it shows in her eyes a reflection of the moment Juan Diego uh, saw her. You know, so it's Juan Diego. You can see her, see him reflecting in her eyes. Mm. Now, what's also cool is that there's three, there's three of him in her eyes, Right. And that exactly, so uh, eye doctors, optometrists, ophthalmologists, with the way that light and images refract in your eye, your, you know, your cornea, your iris, it takes three images, takes two of them upside, one upside down, and then creates a composite. That's how the eye works. Hmm. And there's a known distortion of each of those images that compile into a non-distorted image the same distortive effect that happens in the eye that they've only recently discovered and understanding how the eye works is exactly recreated in the tilma from the 1530s. Mm. Makes no sense. Mm. But sure enough, it's there. And it's, and it's, and, and the, I guess the refraction is, is, um, is manifested in a way where it's like the, 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 the light is coming in through a rounded It's eye. exactly how her a human right. eye works on a on a flat model. It shouldn't be that way, but it do. It mm. do. It do. And that's astounding fact. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, one Japanese optometrist, he was studying it and he fainted while studying it. And they're like, what's wrong? Are you okay? He's like, the eyes were alive. Mm. Uh, one one um, person studying it, put a stethoscope on it, and he said he heard a heartbeat, mm-hmm. right? And the temperature taking on it. That's that's 98.6. That's, 98. Mirac- that's astounding fact number eight. Final one is that it maintains a human temperature. It maintains a temperature of 98.6, regardless of what the surrounding elements are. That don't make no sense. It ain't make no sense, but it do. But it do. But it do, though. 
Man, that is just so awesome. I'm excited. We're going there. I, yeah. yeah. We're yeah. going to go to January. Going mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we were Next there month. just this past January and it was truly, you know, well, you guys are going, well, you're going twice. Yeah. We're, we're talking about, yeah, going we're trying to work it out year for yeah. the, for the, the feast day of Our Lady. Mm-hmm. Mother of God. Mother of God. And that place is packed. And it's packed. <laughs> people coming in on their knees. There's oh. a tradition there where people crawl Walk there mm-hmm. on their or knees. Crawl. So you guys went there. Why don't you? Well, you you were trying to crawl, but you couldn't crawl on your knees because you just had knee surgery. <laughs> that was the oh best. Oh, my was, gosh, It was like the day dude. after Ryan Delacrosse's surgery on his knee. That's that's a trooper. I mean, oh, he yeah, had knee yeah. surgery, and the next day didn't even have time to heal. He just got on a plane to Mexico. <laughs> and we were at a convent to start. Yes. And we're like, we ain't staying here. No. We didn't like the beds. Yeah. Uh, and, the the oh, nuns know, are listening to that right now. They, They're they, like... One no. tear is falling from and Sister Juanita's eye. They were God so they were they so are. sweet, dude. But I they actually, had terrible beds. Yeah, it, well, it was just like the sheets were made out of uh, cactus fibers. It wasn't yeah. happening yeah. one because Ryan was in a wheelchair. There was no accessibility for me. There was no accessibility. Uh, they don't have the uh, and, and, AMA Act down there. And their and their um, their chapel was under renovation. The whole place was under renovation. So it was like it was really not the experience that I had the last time I went. And we were Richard. limited in communication too. <laughs> yeah, they we were, were you know Spanglish versus Spanish, and it was rough. They were Spanglish. winning. I mean, they, they, were didn't, <laughs> they didn't even speak Spanglish. Yeah, it was know? rough. I'm like, what? Everybody understands me. Todo persona comprende me. You know, <laughs> we have I'm some pretty very good funny. The only Spanish you know is from watching. Uh, Narcos. <laughs> tranquilo, hermano. Tranquilo. 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 No, it was funny. It was really funny because, you know, we're we're going around in the plaza and the plaza, the whole place is kind of sunk in and, you know, it's not a firm foundation and I'm in a wheelchair. That's actually why they had to rebuild the basilica because the other one it was sinking and it became, over. Yeah, it became yeah. unsafe. It's, mm-hmm. it's really creepy to walk into, but... You're scared. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm in a wheelchair. He's pushing me around and it's like not easy to be pushed around. It's like bumping <laughs> and he's just having a time with it. <laughs> and I'm dying laughing the whole time. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? Screw this, dude. I'm, I'm going to walk. Miraculous. All the people are probably like, oh, that priest just healed that poor guy. Oh, dude, my knee hurts so bad. Oh, it was and a then great, we were we were um, we were leaving, and Father Rich was standing there. Some some lady, came, old lady, came up to him and said, you know asked for his blessing, and he gave a blessing. And then all these people just started gravitating towards him, and he was just blessing all these people. And it was like two hours later, <laughs> mm-hmm. outside the the shrine, he's still blessing people, and I'm over there sitting in this wheelchair, like. Come on, man. Come on. Is this you be done over, priesting? I'm hungry, you know. I mean that's I, one thing I know about Father Rich. Every time we go somewhere, he, he's like he's always looking for a pastoral opportunity. I mean, we'll be at a bar or a restaurant. We're like, well, no, last night. Where, yeah. where is Father Rich? <laughs> and then he's over there talking to someone, like trying to find healing in their life. It just he really lives as priesthood. It's pretty cool to see that. I always so I'm always I pretty to, inspired by you. But dude, I, I'm so humbled, man, because that experience was one of the most powerful experiences that I've ever had in my life, let alone visiting Our Lady of Guadalupe, because it was my prayer. I, we got on the, because if you've never been, you walk onto a conveyor belt and you're shifted along because as you could imagine, people want to get as close to the tome as they possibly can to get their own eye look at that, you know? So we're on the conveyor belt and my prayer, I just look up to the Blessed Mother. And I'm like, mom, like, I just want to serve your people. Let me, let me serve your people. And I just said it from my heart and, 
you know, <laughs> right after mass, I go and I bring Ryan's wheelchair and he's standing there right next to the, uh, the adoration chapel. And like Ryan said, this woman came up and asked for prayer and I had my eyes closed. But when I opened my eyes, there were so many people because it was the solemnity of the mother of God. There's no greater way to bring in the new year than to be with the Empress of the Americas in Mexico City. And there are tons of people. And the ushers actually had to move us out after an hour yeah. because there were, we were clogging yeah. up the exit. And we moved outside and prayed. And I had so many powerful experiences. And Ryan was actually texting me that night you guys were down there. Like He's like, Father Rich will not go to bed. He's up all <laughs> night looking at the moon. And like he's like, Father Rich, is he's he's really in his element. He's texting the me. The wolf moon. Yeah. I was studying what all happened night January 1st, 2018, there was a wolf moon. And I, yeah. I don't know anything about it. But he woke <laughs> me up like four times in, in complete enthusiasm. I was like, hey, Ryan. Hey, Ryan. <laughs> Ryan. There's this wolf right, dude, thing out right, here. get over here. And he's like, uh, uh. So here's something interesting about yeah. that. Because here, here's maybe something you might not realize. Do you know what the word Guadalupe means? Oh, man. I, dang, man. I, I do. Like between two rivers or something like that? So or? Guadalupe was actually a city in, in Spain, Spain. Yeah. That had been originally founded by Muslims during the Moorish occupation. And there was a Madonna there, a black Madonna. Right. Yeah, but it, the the city itself is between two rivers, right? So in in Arabic, the word for river is wadi. Uh huh. So it got mm, spanglishized into guade, mm -hmm. lupe, mm -hmm. lobo, lupercalia, wolf. It's the Wolf River. Mm. So you were there at, at Our Lady of the Wolf River during the Wolf Moon. That is so awesome. That is so awesome, dude. Yeah. I'm always finding out something new on this show. It's like mind-blowing. Our lady was sending her wolves after you. Oh, man. She is she is a hound on me, man. And I love it. She she is all over my case with her mantle every day. Oh, yeah. She's oh, yeah. fantastic. But yeah, truly a, a magnificent experience of being there and starting out the new year, dedicating our ministry. And mm -hmm. now here we are sharing on this podcast and this video podcast, however you're listening in or viewing, it's just truly a fruit from the prayer endeavor that we've had with Our Lady of Guadalupe and yeah. the consecration to her and her mantle is just, it's been awesome. I really yeah. love that Our Lady of Guadalupe called St. Juan Diego Juanito. Mm -hmm. That's like basically saying Johnny. Yeah. It, it, it was very familiar and She's very motherly. Like that. And yeah. that's pretty, I always thought that was really cool. That's yeah. true. You know, you think about what the grace that occurred there and all these people that, um, you know, eventually became Christians. Mm -hmm. Millions. And, and the, the device that was used, the mechanism that was used is, is Jesus, like saying, I want my mom mm -hmm. to, be, to be there, you know, mm -hmm. or his mother saying, I won't want to be there, whatever it is. The relationship. However between, that conversation went. Right. But the relationship between those two is beautiful. And, 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 it's, and it's, it's woven into the Godhead. Right, it's and like, we look at scripture and we could say, oh, it was circumstantial that the Blessed Virgin Mary was there on the road to Calvary or there at the moment of Jesus's greatest victory right. over sin and death. Held him. But, but no, like there, there was an intimate purpose. Mm -hmm. And right there at the foot of the cross is the woman who is the co-redemptress of the world. You know, mm -hmm. like that. Now that's, plays, that's a loaded theological term. It does not mean that she is, has a equal share in the redemption. It means she cooperates. Mm -hmm. She was the one who cooperated 
with redemption. Mm-hmm. That so that's and it's important to it's, there with it's that. important to you know speak about that in light of your role too, because all of us play a part in that cooperation with redemption, and we do necessarily have an important labor that we we have to truly you know. Uh, live out in in a way. So you know, John Paul II. If you haven't if you haven't read his material on Mary as the co redemptrix, is is worthwhile read. Um, but no, like you know, when you look at the effect of her evangelization in the world and how she has affected us, it's it's ongoing. And I'm looking forward to what she has in store for us in in the next steps ahead. All right. So Our Lady wants us to be merciful on you for this episode in her honor. So we're not going to give you an inquisition. Oh. So we're just going to ask you a simple question okay. and, you know, how- You better get it right. You better get it right. No There's, stalling. There, there is no right or wrong answer. <laughs> you know, how has Our Lady of Guadalupe impacted your priesthood and, and your ministry and your life? Well, two years ago, um, I guess the way that I would answer this is <clears throat> I, I moved to San Diego and I really started to develop an affection for the Franciscan ministry and St. Junipero Serra from San Diego all the way up the coast of California, establishing churches and being a missionary. And I really started to develop from that a real devotion to the ministry of the faith that was rooted in 1531 from the Franciscans and prior to that. And then the revolution of Our Our Lady of Guadalupe, the revelation. And I started to develop a relationship. And within probably less than a year, I found myself in Mexico City three times. And she drew me to herself. Yeah. And she continues to draw me to, to herself. I'm, I'm being drawn once again in, in the coming weeks uh, to go back to Mexico City. And I feel this missionary character developing where I feel called to the new missionary territory of, of being present in the digital continent as a missionary just like St. Junipero was. And I see that same type of character to my priesthood to be a missionary in this new field, in this new evangelization. And I'm completely humbled by it. And I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I can't believe I'm here. It's the new world. And he's he's coming over in his Nina Pinta and Santa Maria. <laughs> so let's hop Come on, on over boat. with your boats, man. Yep. <laughs> Draw those sails up. Ah, no, it's awesome. uh, I'm I'm absolutely humbled, and uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe has everything to do with that, yeah. and uh, it's pretty exciting. All right. Well, that that's I think all we want to talk about for this episode. I mean, we could talk about this for Plenty hours. More. But uh, before we go, uh, I want to make sure that everyone remi- remembers to go to CatholicTalkShow.com. You can subscribe to us there. You can give us feedback, comments, and reviews. Make sure you're reviewing us on iTunes. It's really important for us to get this show out to more people. Make sure you're following us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, join in the conversations. Join in the questions that we give. Um, you know, some of the additional things that we talk about on the show, we share on there so you can see some images. Um, and we really appreciate it when you do. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for joining us for this very special episode. And have a great feast day tomorrow. Mm-hmm.